Welcome to the Lex City Church Podcast. To learn more about the ministries of Lex City, please visit LexCity.Church. Well, welcome to Be Real. Be Real still, it's hard to believe, it's still the hottest app on the App Store right now. Start this year, over 10 million people are active on Be Real all around the world. And um, I always wonder, like, when these things take off, like, why? Like, what's the appeal, right? Why are 10 million people choosing to put non-filtered, non-highlights of our life kind of uh, pictures on the internet for everyone to see. I think about that. I mean, half mine, are they're just sitting in the car. I mean, it could not be more mundane, more meaningless than this. So why? What does it tell us about 2023 and the condition of really our hearts all around the world? Let me give you a couple little insights. Here was the creator of Be Real, and he simply says this. This is why it's so big. Unlike its competition, Instagram and TikTok, be Real aims to strip away the glamorous lifestyle many people try to show using filters and carefully selected camera angles. 21-year-old in New York City, prime target audience, says this. It's just supposed to capture your candid life. It's just supposed to be like what you're doing without any ability to filter it. It's just an opportunity for people to see you in a different perspective. Influencer Daniil Russell says it this way. I just joined recently, and I truly have less than 10 followers, and they're all my friends and family. No one is looking to me to, to be an influencer in how I should live or how I should impact their lives. They're just sharing with me how they are living their lives, and here's what she says, and it is so refreshing. Isn't that great? It's so refreshing. What does that tell us about the fatigue of our hearts? It reminds us this, right, that... This idea of, of image management, it's exhausting. If you're always trying to think and worry about how you're being perceived, what people are thinking about me every moment, it's exhausting. Am I wearing the right things, right? Am I saying the right things? Do I have the right views that nobody's gonna cancel me, right? At the end of the day, I'm just trying to be accepted and validated but there's all this pressure that I have to put everything in the right light so I can feel, right, that kind of acceptance and I can feel that kind of validation. <laughs> and in today, it's the challenge, right? There is instant response and instant feedback from everything we post. And for different ones of us and personality-wise, this creates a lot of pressure. And we see it in our younger generation it was easier in my world. We just had MySpace, man. It was one place. The world resolved, right? revolved around there. It was simple, right? But now there's this pressure of always the how do I present it and how are people responding. And this image management pressure has created a, general, a generation, I really think, that's living for likes while they're longing for love. And they've never felt more connected and yet more unseen and more disconnected. It's exhausting. But you know what's even more exhausting than image management? It, secrets. Keeping secrets. Trying to project something that, that isn't true along there. And some of the research on secrets, it's interesting. And the conclusions they reach at the end of it probably don't surprise us. But let me just give you a little bit of what some of the latest research shows. It says this. The average person holds 13 secrets with most people having five secrets that they've never told anyone and eight that they've shared with at least one person. Usually we hold secrets to protect something, 
such as our reputation or someone we care about. Additionally, secrets can lead to loneliness and shame, which are particularly toxic to our health and our well-being. Right? No surprise. Secrets, the stress of secrets, the the loneliness of secrets, the shame for them, they're not really good for us, they're not good for our health, and even the research shows it's, it, they're not good for our soul. So the goal of, of this series over the next six or next four weeks as we talk about this idea of being real is to live a life of authenticity before God and with one another because that's where we find freedom and we find health. So week one, let me give you a big thought for this morning. It's simply this. To feel fully loved, you must be fully known. To feel fully loved, you must be fully known. Now, I put a little bit of, of emphasis and disclaimer, to feel fully loved, because you can love somebody without knowing everything about that person, right? We've probably had that in our, in our kids. But as the recipient of that love, I have to feel like you know me if you're truly going to love me, otherwise I enter into every relationship with a little bit of a disclaimer, right? I know you love me, but if you truly love me, you'd leave me. If you truly knew everything about me, you wouldn't care for me and you wouldn't love me at all. If my secrets were exposed, you'd be repulsed by me and you'd run from me as quick as you can. If my true political views became evident to you, you'd cancel me, right? It's always this disclaimer. I know you say you love me, but as the recipient, if you really knew, you couldn't love me that way. So how do we do? We project and we protect when this happens, right? We project the image that we think that person wants to see, that we think will be accepted by them. So we project this kind of a facade, and then we protect our hearts at all costs, to avoid anybody getting too close. And so in any relationship, right, and you've probably maybe experienced this or seen it in our friends, when any relationship gets too close or it gets too real, what do we do? We self-sabotage, right? I'm going to hurt you before you hurt me because the moment you know the real me, you're going to leave me and hurt me, and so I'm just going to go ahead and take care of this first. And when the relationship gets to this level, we bail, we have a life that's characterized by either friendships or romantic relationships that we move from shallow relationship to surface relationship to surface relationship. Why? Because we want to project and project and protect our hearts in these. So how do we break this cycle, right? That's what we want to talk a little bit about. Again, over these next four weeks, we want to give you some different tools and just different areas of being real and authentic with one another. I hope you'll find it helpful. Next Sunday, we're going to talk about how to be real and not be rude because sometimes those two don't go together. So if you have a friend that needs to come, next week's the week for them, right? Um, So this kind of authenticity, right? Because if we can't figure out how to live a life of authenticity, then what's the option? We're going to live an Instagram-filtered facade of a life. And I don't know about you, I I just don't want to spend that much energy. And at the end of the day, not even know if the people who are in my circle really care for me there. So what's the option? It really is one option. How do we find and how do we live a life that is real? Because if we don't, we're going to find ourselves, or I think we have culturally, to a culture that's exhausted. We're tired. We're tired of projecting and pretending and hoping people like us and hoping they won't cancel us 
And so we want to break that. So if you fall into this pattern, here's the challenge. If we fall into that pattern with people where I'm always trying to project and protect, if we're not careful, it really slides into our spiritual life. And sometimes we treat God the same way we treat everybody on our feeds in the same way. We want to protect and project ourselves from God because, and it doesn't surprise me, and if, you're, if you struggle with this, it shouldn't shock you because we've struggled with this all the way from the beginning of time. Image management was a concern in the Garden of Eden. If you remember back in Genesis chapter 3, God would come and walk in the coolness of the day, the Bible says in Genesis 3, with, with Adam and with Eve in these moments. But once they sinned, what did they do? They hid from God, right? They were ashamed of, of their nakedness. And so what did they do? They, they hid from God, hoping God wouldn't notice. And then, because they had this fear, if God really knew what we have just done, if he really knew us, right, God wouldn't love us. And so in the coolness of one of those mornings, the Lord comes down to walk with Adam and Eve, and he cannot find them. And when we, we think about it, we look at Adam and Eve and think, how silly are you? You're playing hide-and-seek with God. You're not that good of a hider, right? And then when he finally finds you, you have this idea that God's not going to notice the latest fig leaf uh, fashion that's going on. You're like, hmm, why this, right? How silly. Be, of course God knows because he's God, and he sees all these things, but even in the Garden of Eden, we want to do project and protect and hide behind a facade. Fast forward 4,000 years into the New Testament. We find a woman sitting by a well, a Samaritan woman, and you may be familiar with that story in the Gospel of John, but we want to look there a little bit this morning and be reminded this, to feel fully loved you must be fully known. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, if you would turn me to John chapter 4. If you've got your phones, you can go to lexcity.info. All the sermon notes are there. If you're visiting with us or if you're back from Easter, I want to say welcome. So glad to have you this morning. lexcity.info is the place you can find out all the things that are happening at our church and things around here. So John chapter 4, the Gospel of John. It's the story of the Samaritan woman. And we find Jesus just early in there in the morning has sent his disciples away. And it's about noontime, 6 o'clock is how the, the hour of 6 in, in uh, Jewish culture. It's about noon. Jesus is weary from a morning of travel, so he finds himself at a well resting that, at noon, and a Samaritan woman comes to draw her daily water. John chapter 4, verse 16, we pick up the story. And Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband, and come here. And the woman answered him, Well, I have no husband. Partial truth, right? She currently, because she was accurate, she currently did not have a husband, but she didn't realize when she's trying to project an image of herself, she did not realize who she was speaking to, that this was Jesus, right, the Messiah, the third member of the Trinity who was fully God, and being fully God, she had forgotten one of the great attributes of God, and that is that God is omniscient, and omniscient simply defined as this, put it here on the screen for you, it's the state of having total knowledge the quality of knowing everything, all right? It's really hard to pretend with somebody who is omniscient, and she's about to find that out. First John chapter 3 uh, tells us a little bit more about that characteristic of God. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and here's the key, and he knows everything. Think about that. God knows everything. God knows everything about your life. 
and everything that's surrounding your life. Matthew chapter 10 tells us that God knows when a very sparrow falls from the sky. God knows the hairs on our head, which really is not that impressive. I mean, I know that too at this point. You know what I'm saying? But here's what he's saying. God knows not only the events of your life, but he knows all the events that are surrounding your life. He knows our every thoughts. This is scary. Knows our every word. Psalms 139, 4. Even before a word in my tongue is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Those are my thoughts, my words. Ephesians 1 says that God knew you before the foundation of the earth. Psalms 139 says he knew you and formed you in your mother's womb. Isaiah 46 says he knows the end from the beginning. I want to remind you again that God is omniscient, all-knowing of everything in our life. And so when the woman at the well does this natural tendency to project and to protect her image, Jesus reminds her, (laughs) I know more than you think I know. I know the thing you haven't shared with anybody. I know the thing that brings you the most shame in the village that you hope nobody ever knows. I know your secret. And he says to her, you're right in saying that I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you now have is not your husband. (laughs) What you have said is true. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. I see that there's something unique about you because you know my secret. I've had five husbands, and the man I'm with, he's not my husband I've been trying to keep that to myself. And Jesus knows everything about her. No secrets for you and I, right? God is omniscient. He knows you totally and completely, and it's pretty amazing. The person who matters the most knows the most. The person who is judgment is all important knows all the evidence of our life. Let that sink in for a minute. The person who matters the most knows the most. There's a little fear in that, but we're gonna see today there's also some freedom in that truth of who God is. That you are totally and fully knowing that you've never had a feeling, you've never had a thought, you've never done a deed, there's not been a beat of your heart that God hasn't known fully and completely And so that has to change our relationship with God when we know that and we really embrace that truth, right? When we pray to God and we take time to meditate and think on spiritual things, can I just remind you, because God is omniscient, you are not sharing new information with God. When I pray, God's not like, ooh, I had no idea. Thanks for sharing that one with me, Brian, right? This is not new information when I'm praying and meditating, I'm simply agreeing with God what he already knows about me. So when I pray, here's the great, I can pray with authenticity because I'm not fooling him. You ever tried to pray nice prayers to God just so he would think a little better? I've tried that a few, I mean, I'm, I'm feel, I'll tell you in a few moments, I'm feeling this way, but I, I kind of want to make it sound a little better. Come on now, I'm not fooling anybody. God knows all things. So for me, I've been working on trying to be authentic in my time with God to try to, to 
push myself to be a little bit more deeper and a little bit more truer with my emotions rather than just trying to make it all sound good, right? So when I say, listen, I'm discouraged. Here's you. Dear Lord, help me today. My heart and my soul feels discouraged about this event. Listen, God knows. God, I'm angry. (laughs) I'm mad about this. I'm furious over this. I feel, you you see what I'm saying that way? Oh, Oh, I have disappointment towards this person. No, no. I feel betrayed and, and left behind and misunderstood. Do you see the difference of that? Oh, Lord, I'm feeling a little bit alone. No, I'm not. I'm feeling isolated and unseen and unvalued in that moment. Do you see the difference b- between the two? And when I can pray with that sense of authenticity, it does a couple things. It helps me to grow in my trust in the heart of God. God, you can handle the rawness of where I'm I'm angry. I feel this. I feel that. This is where I'm at. It helps me to trust the heart of God of that. But secondly, it helps me to be honest with my feelings. It helps me to be honest. Like, this is the depth of what I'm feeling, these things. And so, God, I'm going to share them with you. And it helps me to be vulnerable, right? Sometimes, even in our own hearts, we're scared to admit those own feelings and those own emotions, because they scare us, and we're like, oh, God can't really hang. Listen, God's got this, right? So, because when I say, well, I'm, for me, when I say I'm frustrated, that's like a 6.5 to a maybe 7. When I acknowledge the fact that I'm not really frustrated, I'm angry. Angry is about a nine, 8 or 9 in my life, right? If I'm frustrated, you just say, man, that's just part of life. Suck it up, right? Put your big boy pants on. That's okay. This is the world we live in. When I acknowledge the fact that I'm beyond that, I'm put in a point of anger, Anger is one of these emotions that if it's not processed and worked through, it becomes unhealthy, it's unsustainable, right? Anger comes out, at least in my life, in different ways and different things. And if I don't work through it, eventually I'm going to impact the people closest to me with the anger because I haven't dealt with it. So if I can acknowledge that, it changes when I pray. I now go to God with a different position. It's a position of humility, right? Dependence. I'm positioning myself for help. I'm not just informing God. God, in case you didn't know, here's kind of what my week was. I was this, no, no, no. God, here's where I'm at. These things are, I need you to help me. I need you to help me in my anger to have some understanding. I need you to help me to have some self-control. I need you to help me to have forgiveness. God, I need you today to help me with this emotion. Otherwise, I'm gonna end up hurting the people who are closest to me that I love the most who have very little to do with this circumstance, but because they're in my proximity, right, my emotion is gonna come out. When I have a correct understanding of who the God is, that he's omniscient, we pray differently. I'm not informing God. Does that make sense? I'm agreeing with God what he already knows to be true uh, about me. David wrote so many of the Psalms, modeled this for us, I think so beautifully, uh, and the kind of prayer that goes, go, Psalms 139. I love this way David says, verses 23, right? Here's what he says. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous ways in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. Here's David's formula for authenticity in prayer, right? God, search me. God, know me. And God, lead me, right? God, search me. 
Tell me what I don't, because there's, there's blind spots in my own heart. God, search me. Point these things out. God, know me who I really am. These is my frustrations. And then lead me. How do I respond? How do I go forward? David was fully known by God. That's what I love about it. And in his time of self-reflection, he's reminded how short he falls from the perfection of what God calls for us out of life. If you're familiar with the story of David, these are the things that the Spirit reveals to him. David, you're a murderer. David, you're an adulterer. David, you struggle with lust. You're actually a poor leader. You should have been in battle when you were staying back at the castle uh, in these times. And yet, in all of that transparency that David had towards God, what do we know about God? David? That he was fully loved by God. David, but a man after God's own heart. Fully known and fully loved. The person who matters the most knows the most. The one who will be judge of all has all the evidence and knows all. So can I encourage you? With God, stop trying to hide in the garden. He kind of knows where you are already. Trust God with your heart. This week, maybe a way to just start your week is this week is those three things from David. God, search me and know me and lead me to what you have for me. And you're gonna find if you'll do that, you're going to find some freedom, which is amazing, and you're going to find some new insight into your own heart. The issue wasn't frustration. There was something driving the frustration that was lower, right? And whatever that is, that's the issue we got to deal with. This is just a symptom of where we go. And the beauty of the kindness of God is he'll show those to you and reveal you. Fully knowing. This idea of, of being real, right, be transparent, not only is in our relationship with God is so important, but it's also important that it translates with our relationship with one another to other people. So as we think about that, I am not saying to you today, hey, Monday in your first social gathering or your first time you get together in your group, man, just spew it all out there, man. Lay it back. Here is my stuff, you know. And then just say, hey, pastor said, I'm just being authentic, being real, keeping it 100, right? This is me. Deal with me. You ever been? Know those kind of... I mean, not only is that foolish, let's be honest, it's selfish, and it's really self-destructive. If you don't, <laughs> one of the great skills, if you don't have the ability to self-monitor a little bit, it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Man, I can't be real and authentic because every time I share, everybody just freaks out and judges me and runs away. Listen, they're running away not because of your issues, they're running away because of your approach, right? The time, the place, the tone, just lack of wisdom on when you do that. And so here's what I just want to encourage you to do as you think about that. Be wise and smart with who you bear your soul to, right? A little wisdom in that. Let me state the obvious. Probably online open forums, social media is not the best place. How, do you, you all have these. I've got a couple of friends. Bless your heart. I'm like, I learned that in Kentucky. Bless your heart. Uh, that's another way to say other things. Like, they're just blasting their life. And I'm thinking, what, what are you expecting? What, well, this is not the place. And away they go. And then somebody says something. You know how it is. And now we're on a whole other rant. And, I mean, get some popcorn because the, the show has begun and where we're going, right? So it's not the best place. You know that. Let me tell you here at Lex City. Let me give you just three safe places. If you're saying, I want to grow in this area of authenticity, three safe places. You know, first one is this. 
every Thursday night, right, we have a recovery ministry here. A chance to walk and meet and talk with people who are walking the same journey you are and the same process there, judgment-free zone to be able to say, hey, thanks for having the courage to be vulnerable. Let's walk through this, right? Sunday morning's at the end of our service. We have a prayer team that are spiritually mature men and women that are just down here at front. Listen, they're just down here every week to be here for you, right? They're not just wanting to stay and be the last ones out of the church. They're here because they care about you and just say, hey, if there's a way we can support you, if there's a way we can come along and encourage you, listen, I'm just telling you, safe people that you, you can do that. Some of you are involved in small groups and in life groups, right? It may not be your full life group, but my desire is hopefully you're going to find one or two singles or couples in your group that, hey, you sense they're safe and somebody you could have that conversation. Here's just a thought for you. If I get to that point where I want to have that conversation, you know, sometimes the best thing to do is ask permission because not everybody wants it. (laughs) Hey, you're, you're significant in my life. I've got some things going on. Would you be open if I share it with you? No judgment. I, I just need to share some things that are going on in my heart. And then give them the permission to say, yes, I'd receive that or no. Because when you share things, right, then people, they carry that with them. And not everybody's ready to do that. Not everybody's willing. But if they give you permission to share it, boom, away you go. Just a way to think. But three safe places, you know where they are. My encouragement is be wise. If you have been burned in the past, then be discerning. Think of that name. Bring that to the Lord and say, God, just give me peace about that or whatever it would be. But find someone. The key to an authentic life is simply this, is to be surrounded by authentic people. Right? People that are authentic in their own life and you see it in them, then they have the capacity to receive you and encourage you in your journey along the go. And so finding those kind of people. So I thought we'd just close today. I wasn't sure exactly where, but let me just close today by just giving you some questions to think about, all right? And hopefully in these, maybe the Holy Spirit can nudge your heart and saying, hmm, this, that, or wherever it is. And so just some thoughts for you today. And being real, the authenticity of it, here's a question. What is your social circle like? Five closest people in your life, right? Are they safe and supportive? Or do you find yourself still having to perform in order to be accepted and validated by your closest five? In your everyday life, right, Where do you feel the freedom just to be you? And where are you feeling the pressure to try to fit in and conform? Where and with who, right, do you feel the most authentic version of yourself? Where you can just be yourself. And like the one influence says, where I can just relax and not try to perform and meet their approval. What situations do you feel better about yourself when you leave than when you came? I always hope church is one of those places for you. I hope on a Sunday when you leave, you hope maybe you feel challenged and the Spirit speaking to you. But at the end of the day, you feel better about than when you came, that you felt validated and, such, and encouraged in such a way there. All right? 
Where in the settings do you find yourself it's easy to be present? And where do you find yourself trying to create distractions to get through that moment in time? See, I find wherever I can be present, it's usually an indication of a place of peace where I can be myself along those ways. If you'll pay close attention, here's what I found out. Your body always keeps score when you feel safe and when you don't feel safe. And God has created us in such an amazing way that if you'll just slow down and calm the noise and take it out and just listen to what your body's telling, your body speaks a lot to you. It's the Holy Spirit within your heart that just gives you those nudges and oppression like you're performing. Or doesn't this feel good to be at peace? Safe person, not so safe person, right? But the key is there, you're just gonna have to be present. And we're so busy and we put so many distractions that it's sometimes it's even hard to hear the voice of God in those things. Tomorrow morning, here's a challenge for you over the next four weeks, just start your day saying, God, I just wanna be real, right? I wanna be real with you and real with, real with people in my life. Today I pray David's prayer. God, search me. God, know me. And God, lead me. This week, this day, I will create enough silence, enough space that if your spirit wants to speak to me and impress these things in my heart, then he can. All right? Be attentive. Two big questions for you, right? What is the internal motivations or external influences that are causing me to project and protect, right? What are the internal motives? I want to be liked by people. And I'm insecure about these things. And I want everybody to like me, right? So I will do whatever it takes. That's the motive, right? Or I want to be thought of this way. You know what it is. Or what are the external influences? What are the things that are pressuring me? What are the things, who is in that five that I find myself, the different things that are there, all right? Authenticity, here's the big thought for today as we kind of close out. Authenticity only happens when our words, actions, and behavior consistently match our core identity, right? When all those things are simply an outpouring of who you are, then that's where authenticity comes. So today, in order to feel truly connected, we have to allow ourselves to be seen, truly seen, by God and by others. And it's the only way that we can be real. Let's pray together. Father, this morning we take time and <laughs> acknowledge the struggle that has existed from the very beginning in the garden. <laughs> God, we just acknowledge that in our flesh and in our humanness, there's such a desire to be accepted and validated. That in our own flesh, we tend to just project things and protect and keep people at a distance and hide certain things. And, and God, today, may we be reminded just of that one simple but profound truth that you are omniscient. 
that the one who matters the most knows the most. And so God, with you, we can lay our hearts open. God, with you, we can be vulnerable with not the pretty cleaned up filtered emotions, but we can be open with you to say, this is where I really am at. And God, in that bitterness and in that fear and in that anger, God, would you know me? Would you search me? And would you lead me? God, may this be a community, may this be a family where we can leave all the pretense at the door and just be who you've created us to be with one another. So give us the courage to share. Give us the grace and the wisdom to receive and to hear and to listen and the journey with people as we go this together. And we thank you for your spirit, which guides us in all these things. In your name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Lex City Church podcast. If you would like to support ministries of Lex City, visit lexcity.church slash give. Please subscribe and follow us on social media at Lex City Church for more encouraging teachings and content.